Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to FX Moments, which is part of our Thick Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman. I am the Chief G10 FX Currency Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I will be joined by Stephen Chu, our Chief Asia FX and Rate Strategist. So as we uh, approach the, the start of the third quarter and after another 10% rally in the US dollar in the second quarter, a key question for market participants is whether, uh, as they consider our currency allocation, uh, is whether the dollar has peaked already, and what what is the, the outlook for the dollar from from the current levels, which seem already quite high, and the dollar being uh, increasingly overvalued. So what we think is that the dollar hasn't peaked just yet. Uh, we can see how. Um, a weaker dollar could eventually take place, but it kind of feels like the condition for that to happen are not in place at, at, this, at this juncture. And certainly our reasoning is that if you consider the drivers into the third quarter, there's still simply too much macro uncertainty, both on the inflation and on the recession front. There's still too much earnings uncertainty, i.e., do you think an, an equity market uncertainty, i.e., do you think that the law in the equity market is behind us? And also, still too much geopolitical uncertainty. Do you think that the situation in Ukraine will improve? Will we get a worsening in the situation into the second half of the year? So all those three kind of uncertainty remain significant, and in my opinion, still too high to move away from defensive plays uh, in the currency market, and from and that means that it's still premature to move away from the dollar. So it kind of feels like we're repeating the same thing that we have in the second quarter, and we've had a big move already, and it, it kind of feels like the time is coming to for change, but it's not there just yet. Um, it doesn't mean that we want to adjust the view in the in the course of Q3 depending on conditions evolved. But for now, it, it's, it's just too, too much uncertainty to do that. Um, I think in particular, uh, when we look at uh, the, the risk environment, for me, this is the, the sine qua non condition for an adjustment to a weaker dollar. So we need a sustainable risk on high, higher equity uh, for the dollar with the weaker dollar view to regain momentum. For investors to think, okay, I am ready to take risk again. I am ready to move away from the dollar. And we're not there yet. Um, we're not there yet. There's still a lot of question marks about uh, the inflation conundrum. There's now worry about to what, in, to what extent the higher rate story is impacting um, the Fed, the, the, the real economy and, and how much tightening we're getting from the Fed and to what extent it means a potential recession. Then if you think about recession, are we talking about soft, a soft recession, a mild recession, 
or a more pronounced recession. And that means that has divergent consequences for the dollar. Uh, a kind of a, a hard lending scenario is dollar bullish because it means risk off. Whereas the soft lending scenario is, is more dollar negative because that means a return in risk appetite. And we just don't have in, enough information at this point to, to conclude on that. Um, so for the time being, holding on to the dollar makes sense. In terms of um, currencies and uh, currency pairs, and uh, I think the euro, the euro, there's a lot of bad news priced in the euro already, uh, whether it's on Ukraine, whether it's on growth. And I think that the ECB raising interest rate in the third quarter uh, and, and catching up to some extent uh, uh, with the Fed, that will help the euro. But there is a but, and the but is that we need to have the fragmentation problems addressed properly and the markets to buy into the, the plan that the ECB will come with in terms of making sure that higher European rates do not come with widening in intra-European spread, which are usually associated with existential risk and existential concerns about the euro which obviously would be euro negative. So I kind of feel, let's wait and see. Let's give the ECB a chance, see what they come up with, uh, and then perhaps contemplate a slightly better outlook for the euro. And if you don't want to move, if you don't want to trade on or have the view on euro dollar, there are alternatives. In, in particular, euro sterling upside, which is a currency pair that we've been talking about uh, in, in recent months and for which I'm still bullish. So let's move on to sterling very quickly. Uh, here, what I would say is that sterling is probably, it continues to be amongst the most vulnerable in the G10 world. And in a world where there's still not much risk appetite, the dollar it continues to be favored in currency allocations. And on top of that, we have a wide range of sterling negative drivers we have the economy that's deteriorating in terms of more of a slowdown and potential recession for the UK economy, high inflation, i.e. stagflation. And on top of that, we have a shaky political environment and the post-Brexit conundrum, which is also coming back as a driver. Most recently, we also have renewed talk about a potential Scottish referendum on independence. So the picture for the pound, I'm afraid, is not getting any better for the time being. Uh, so in terms of levels and output for Q3, we're thinking 120 on, on cable could be tested. And I'm kind of thinking of uh, 120 to 115 range. On commodity currencies, I would say that commodity FX is actually less appealing uh, now than it was in Q3. You may in Q2, sorry, uh, you may remember in Q2, in Q2 uh, we were uh, quite optimistic and quite bullish a bit on commodity effects in the context of higher uh, commodity prices and how it would help those currencies. But I think the, sh the focus now is shifting away from um, this aspect of higher commodity prices to recession concerns. And that means that commodity currencies are looking exposed again. Um, the, the Australian dollar uh, is, is still very exposed to the extent that it is 
trading very much as a proxy to the Chinese situation. Um, and uh, the Norwegian krone has a, a lot of uh, valuation appeal um, but and yield appeal. But for as long as you're hesitant on Europe and you're not sure about Europe, it, it will continue to underperform, in particular the Canadian dollar. So the Canadian dollar was uh, amongst our, our favorite currencies um, earlier this year, and it continues to be the case. And even against the, the US dollar, I kind of feel that um, we're more likely to, to see the dollar CAD in the 130 to 125 range than, than higher. Um, very briefly, I, I'll touch on another couple of currencies. The, the yen, I mean, the dollar yen is, it has been a big story uh, in the, late in the second quarter. And, and basically, the BOJ is increasingly isolated with its policy, its low yield policy. Even the SNB now uh, has started to uh, uh, hike interest rates and move away from the low yield world. So the BOJ is all on its own. And the language uh, so far is suggesting that they're not intending to move away from that position. And in that context, uh, you, you kind of expect dollar yen to continue to push higher. Um, I think what could trigger a change in dollar yen prospect would be a U-turn from the BOJ, which we're not expecting for the time being, or uh, a softening in language from the Fed, uh, and we're not expecting that to happen either. So that leaves us with a still bullish outlook for, for dollar-yen. Uh, I also feel that we have to be careful about verbal uh, and potentially even uh, FX intervention from, from the BOJ, but for as long as it isn't a coordinated intervention, uh, it has um, only limited chance of containing any, any more upside on, on dollar yen. So this, this is the broad picture and the broad outlook for Q3. Uh, and I'd like to pass, uh, pass it on to, to Stephen Chu um, for an outlook on Asia FX and, and any other currency that uh, you might may be interested in um, in the Asia space. But let's start with um, with your view on the on the dollar in, in your in your region, what, how do you think the the, the dollar will be doing uh, in in Q3, Stephen? Thanks, Audrey. And uh, on boarding what you have just said, meaning uh, we're still not giving up the dollar. The key scenario here in Asia is for dollar Asia to consolidate in the third quarter, and um, probably it will drop again later on. But we don't think that's going to happen very soon, at least not before year end. So now in Asia, the key drivers are again very similar to the other economies. We're talking about global stagflation risk still lingering and also about Fed expectations. In general, uh, we still see global stagflation fear to deepen entering the third quarter. Uh, Bloomberg Economics also expect inflation to rise further globally in the third quarter. So um, we are consistent with that view, especially Global food prices uh, usually take six months to reach Asia, so we may see higher food inflation as well in Asia in the third quarter. Now, on the Fed, compared to the first half of the year, it's quite clear that while we are not at maximum Fed hawkishness, 
there may just be relatively less headroom for market to price in more Fed hawkishness just because market got surprised in Q1, got surprised in Q2. So in Q3, there are just marginally less room to price in more hawkishness. So as long as um, we don't reverse the bet for the Fed to use again, which I don't think the Fed will do, then uh, we think dollar will actually consolidate against Asian currencies in the third quarter. From the lessons of 1970s, central banks tend to um, anchor inflation and wage expectation now after what happened in 1970s. Otherwise, they will just risk an anchoring market expectation and they will have to hike even faster later on and will crash the economy. So from a policy standpoint, the Fed may just have to act on market pricing and hike about 3% by year end. Now, even with this pace, which is just in line with market pricing, that's still much faster than the rate hikes in Asia, if any. Now, Asia, in general, experienced relatively less inflation pressure if compared to the major economies, and Asian central banks also place higher emphasis in safeguarding macro-recovery, especially most of the Asian economies are still recovering from COVID. So to conclude, we think the most likely outcome is for dollar Asia to consolidate. Thanks, thanks, Stephen. And, and I was thinking, is there any particular currency trade, currency pair, it doesn't need to be uh, dollar related, but any interesting view that uh, you, you can think of if you, if you had to uh, present to, to a client? Oh, yes, definitely. The Hong Kong dollar is a topic mainly due to the pack to the US dollar. So when we get dollar strength, the Hong Kong dollar tends to be resilient as well, especially if compared to other Asian currencies. So basically, dollar Hong Kong near 785 means that there's going to be limited downside for the city's currency due to FX intervention. And we believe um, the Hong Kong de facto central bank will have enough bullets to protect the pack. Hence, there may be more upside and downside regarding the Hong Kong dollar when the dollar is strengthening. Now, otherwise, apart from the Hong Kong dollar, we also like currencies from economies that may be less negatively impaired by the higher energy and food prices, especially those that are still um, exhibiting healthy trade surpluses, namely Indonesia, Malaysia, and China. Now, let's start with Indonesia and Malaysia. Both economies have been benefiting from higher commodity prices since they are major commodity exporters in Asia, and that's still the case. So that's why uh, we are more constructive on these two economies and their currencies, especially in the case of the Indonesian rupiah. It has been one of our favorites since years start due to its higher carry alert, and it still is. The fact that Indonesia is now less vulnerable to bond outflows just because of lower foreign holding means that um, the currency itself is also more stable and um, Indonesia itself could even afford to hike more gradually just because it's facing relatively less pressing inflationary pressure. For the Chinese Yuan, if you remember, we did call for avoidance in Q2 just because back then we saw overvaluation in the Chinese currency. And we also addressed that um, China locking down was actually a major risk for, to the currency as well. And it turned out that our call was well justified. 
Now we are seeing China reopening again, loosening the restrictions gradually, and macro data may improve in Q3. That's because we have a lower base in Q2, so data are very likely to beat market expectations, and hence the Chinese currency may be attractive again. So for dollar China, we think despite the US dollar strength, dollar China may trade around 6.7. Now on the other hand, on the other extreme, for Asian currencies that we dislike, um, that include the South Korean one and the Philippine peso. Now both economies are energy importers, so they are very vulnerable to higher energy prices. Now we especially we really dislike the Korean one, which has been the case um, since earlier this year, just because the one was very sensitive to global economic growth cycle and also market resentment. And both of these are heading south at the moment, and hence the one was being sold as well. The dollar one could test about 1300 in Q3. Last but not least, um, Indian rupee may also underperform going forward just because um, its elevated inflation means that um, it has a relatively low real yield at the moment. So that's a quick wrap of my preference for the Asian currencies. Thanks very much, Stephen. I think this is it for today. I hope you found our effect podcast interesting and thank you very much for listening.